Praise the Lord. Come on, with everything in you, give it up for Jesus Christ this morning. Amen. Wow. Praise God. You can be seated. Uh, that was amazing. Praise God. Well, I feel like you're all kind of amped up today. That's good. Amen. Praise. My team did not win yesterday. My team got stumped, but that's all right. We can still have church anyways, right? Because your salvation doesn't rise and fall if your team won or not. Like Marcus said, Team Jesus is undefeated. Amen. Praise God. Wow. So a couple things, if you would, uh, help me out with. If everybody that can schedule-wise be here tonight, we really want to talk about some stuff. We'll have some of our department heads up, ministry team. We'll talk about their different responsibilities and how you could be included. And then we'll talk about some of the conference and how the conference, we can, we can hopefully serve uh, the people that will be coming, hopefully from the community. So we want you to invite people to the conference, especially on the Monday and Tuesday night. I'm not a fan of taking people from other churches. And so let them go to their church on Sunday, but bring them out on Monday and Tuesday and we'll have a good word from Matt. Fry, such a great speaker, such a good guy, very, very kingdom-minded, just to really, really, uh, I think you'll just really get a good word, uh, and then on that Sunday morning, it won't affect you, uh, except for this regard, we're just going to have one service at 11, so you want to really come up and in on that day, we'll have some extra chairs out, because the, the early service people will be here as well, so Come tonight, come to the service. How many going to try their best to come tonight, come to the service? And All right, thank you for those three people. We'll, we'll, we'll have it downstairs in the, in the coffee shop. Uh, <laughs> I know you're contemplating, you're thinking hard. So, it, for, listen, for us to continue to grow and for us to be as good of a church as God wants us to be, he needs our input, right? It's our participation. In other words, sometimes in Western civilization, it's how can I be served, but in godly kingdom principles, it's how can I serve, all right? Not so much how can how can I be served, but how can I serve? And so I really, really hope you come out tonight. We'll have cake and some sandwiches because it is our three-year name change, and then come to the conference because I knew I do know you'll be blessed by, by Matt Fry. Great, great, great guy. Amen? And then the Compassion Offer today on the way out we always have a compassion offering today I, I'm going to do something a little bit different a little bit out of the ordinary for me because it, it's a direct relationship uh, my uh, mother-in-law uh, is, is battling cancer and, and the treatments and, and they say everything's going good and, and she's having some, some good thing but there's some medical costs involved and some just some different things that I would like our church to help them with. They pray for our church every single day. They, they, they're put, putting our church up in prayer and I'd love for our church to help them with their medical bills. And so if you have anything on the way out, I'd like to just dump it into the compassion offering. Whatever you give will we'll go uh, to them. Janie sends a check up to them every month, and we just try to help as much as we can. Uh, but if we can help uh, as a church uh, with their medical bills, how many thinks that's that's okay if we if we just in the compassion offering? Amen. Thank, thank you. I appreciate appreciate that. And so if you don't have it, don't worry about it. God will always provide. They are great people of faith, but I felt like as a church, wouldn't it be cool if we could just help them out? We're actually going to be in Omaha for two days this week, in the middle of the week. We're going to fly in. It's her 82nd birthday. We're excited about what God's doing for her victory-wise, and she's really got a lot of faith. She checks in with Janie maybe other, every other day, or Janie checks in with her every other day, and so we have wonderful reports that are taking place, but the emotional 
problem of just those finances hanging over them at, at the later stages of life. We want to try to help them. Uh, the Bible teaches us that we should help people if we can, rather than just say, bless and go on your way. Amen? All right, so praise God. Well, we're the week number two of the Destiny series. And last week we talked about picking up your cloak or anointing, boiling the oxen or getting rid of the past and chasing your dreams. How many are started to chase your dreams this week? Amen? Chase them. Just chase them. Go after them. It's, it's important, right? And so today we're going to talk about your destiny and finding that destiny maybe in a, uh, a dark place in your life, a place where, man, I don't know how I got here, God. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm here. And so I want, to, I want you to, to learn today to really make the best of those dark places of your life. And that's, that's tough for some people because that dark place may last for years. But I want you to know that if you can make the best of it, God will see you through, and there'll be, there'll be kind of a resurrection at the end. So stand with me this morning. We're going to read out of the uh, book of 1 Samuel, I think three chapters, the 20, or three verses, the 20, 22nd chapter. The Bible says, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down uh, to him there. And all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. From there, David went to Mizpah in Moab and said to the king of Moab, Would you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that it's alive. We pray, Lord, even today for those that might be walking through some dark places, Lord, in their life. And dark places aren't always sin. Sometimes dark places are just right where you want us. So help us, Lord. Uh, give us revelation knowledge this morning, Lord, on, on things that we're, 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 we're trying to walk through. Lord, to know that you're in charge. You order the steps of a righteous person, Psalm 37 says. So, Lord, help us to be encouraged that by that, Father, today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody in agreement said... Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the Word of God. It's something we started a couple years ago when we did a study out of the book of Joshua. Uh, most Sundays we do. Sometimes if I have a long reading, I'll let you, I'll let you sit. But uh, I, I appreciate the, the honor and respect. I really love our church. I really thank God for the people that God has, has placed around us. And we are back live online today. So can, you, can we give our online viewers a... A shout out. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. Aaron asked me to, to, to make mention, we're still a little dark, so if you're tuning in, you might only be able to hear, you might not be able to see, although we have cameras. Uh, the lights are the next and last thing, so we got a new soundboard through the lightning, uh, we got a, we got new online projector, we're waiting for lights now, so we're, we're, we're in this thing about $58,000 or so, so far, so insurance has covered most of it. Uh, thank the Lord. Amen. Uh, but we're, we're sorting through. So lights are the next thing, and the lights will be in in two weeks for the conference, which is a really good thing as well. And by the way, uh, so uh, we're, the contractor is rebidding the downtown because we had to make some corrections. We're going to be probably twenty-five dollars to $40,000 shy. So the last week of October, we're going to take a, a harvest offering, uh, offering for what we're hoping to do downtown. We really want to be debt-free on the downtown building. How many thinks that's a good thing, just to be debt-free? We have a debt on this building, so we're not, we're not debt-free, but we would be debt-free downtown. 
and so, but we want to do that. We, we have to take an offering. So just pray, ask the Lord if there's, you know, a gift you'd like to give. All of that money will, will go downtown. We're going to be a little shy because of some improvements that we had to make uh, to, in order to get the, the county to, uh, to approve. So it's, it's, you know, a lot of it's just, but next week I'm going to show you what the, what the city's building right behind Grace Church downtown, and it's going to blow you away. I mean, the way God has orchestrated and moved for this whole thing is just incredible. It's just going to be the coolest thing. So God is cool, right? And God is good and it, all the time. And, and you're with me today, right? Yeah. All right, good. One more time, right? Yeah. Oh, that was, it's, yeah. It's like, like, I just, it's, man, you're good. Praise God. So, uh, uh, destiny, if you don't know where you're going, if you don't know where God's doing, I want you just to continue to pray. I've, I've had dark areas in my life where I just wasn't sure. You know, I was 23 with three kids, and Janie was a worship leader, and I'd come to church and have all these kids hanging all over me and, and uh, sitting in the, in the pew, and the Lord just kept saying, hang in there. I'm, I'm teaching you something. I'm teaching you something. And that's one of the reasons I like the kids. I want the kids in for worship at least a couple times a year, or three or four or five times a year with us is because our kids saw us worship when they were growing up, and they're, they're worshipers. Like, they love to worship, and I want you to love to worship, but I want your kids to love to worship too, right? That's, that's a weapon. That's a vehicle that can be used so that when your kids are going to school, going to college, starting their careers, they're in the middle of business, that they know, man, you got to go out, check yourself out, and go sit in your car for a minute, just put on some 30, you know, three minutes of worship, and just worship, like a, just like a crazy person, they go back in and attack it. That's that's okay, amen. That's your weapon. God's given you a weapon of war, and it's called worship, amen. And so David has found himself in a cave. And you know the backstory. Saul's tried to kill him a couple times at the dinner table, threw a spear across the table. David, or David dodged it, ran out. Saul was jealous. Saul was envy. David was you know, walking in humility. He loved God. And the, the ladies in the camp started singing the song that, that Saul had killed his thousands, David killed his ten thousands. And three times it's recorded in the scripture, and all three times Saul just goes berserk. He just he's like a maniac. Man, this isn't gonna happen. And, and jealousy can kill you if you if you let it. So don't be careful that you don't become jealous over certain things. And so David's anointed to be king the first time. David was anointed three times. The first time in 1 Samuel the 16th chapter, second time in 2 Samuel the second chapter, the third time in the second Samuel the fifth chapter. And so he's anointed here by Samuel. This is the new king. The spirit of good jumped from Saul over to David. And now he's 17. He's anointed to become king, but he's not arrogant. He's not like bold or brash about it. He takes it in humility and Saul hates him. So Saul chases him basically for between 10 and 13 years. Well, historians tell us that quite possibly 10 of those years, David's in this cave, Adullam. And so while he's in the cave, he's, he's starting to uh, build relationships with 400 men. And the Bible's condensed, so we don't always know. We think like David went in the cave and all of a sudden 400 people started to surround him. That's not necessarily the case. He's in the cave and he's building a relationship. But it's our attitude on how we handle things that sometimes allows us to just survive or actually thrive, okay? So this is why it's important for Christians, Christ followers, to have a good attitude about stuff. 
right? If you're like, if you're the sour person on the job site or on your team, you're not reflecting Christ in you very well, okay? It's important for us to be, like, you don't have to fake it. I don't believe in faking until you make it, but you need to find something within inside of you to really start to be joyful about. Well, David writes Psalm 142 out of the, out of the cave, and we're going to read verses 5, 6, and 7, and the Bible says this in Psalms 142, I cried to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge. In other words, God, why did you put me here? No. He's saying, you're my refuge, God. Thank you for things just the way they are. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to walk in this cave. Thank you, Lord, for letting me be the person I am. It's like sometimes people point the finger at God and say, God, I don't understand what you're doing. I thought you brought me here for a reason. Well, what's going on? God did bring you here for a reason. He knows what's going on. He doesn't always have to tell us what's going on. Amen? You are my refuge and you're my portion in the land of the living. I'm in a cave. Think about that for a second. Have you ever been in a place where you don't want to be? David calls it the land of the living. He's writing this in the cave. Ah, oh, thank you, God. I'm in the land of the living. Listen to my cry. Go ahead. Listen to my cry, for I'm in desperate need. It's okay to tell God you're in need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Number seven says this. Sit. Set me from free from my prison, that cave, this, this thing I'm in. It's okay to ask God, would you set me free from this, God? I want to be free that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. David's in this cave. We see it in 1 Samuel. Then he writes this great story in Psalm 142, and he writes other psalms from that same cave, and they're all uplifting. And, and I, want to, I, want to, I want to encourage you today. That if you're in a cave, you need to embrace that cave. Turn to somebody and say, embrace the cave. Embrace the cave. Now listen, that's, that's tough to do. Embrace the cave. I've got to embrace that cave. And if we can't embrace that cave, then maybe we're, we have to be careful because otherwise we start to follow Christ for what he's done for us. We start to follow Christ like he's a, a genie in a bottle. We read the Bible three times, and Jesus is going to appear and grant our every wish. That's not always the case. There may be some suffering involved. There may be some hesitation involved. Now, that's not a real good naming and claiming, blabbing and grabbing type message. Like, just go everywhere and just call it yours. That's not always true, folks, right? Sometimes you might be baptized with the baptism of suffering. Jesus said that himself, are they baptized, James and John, are you baptized with the same baptism of suffering that I'm baptized with? Like if you want to write books of the Bible like they did, maybe, just maybe, you're going to have to go through some suffering. Well, I'm going to tell you this, as a pastor who loves you, you might have some suffering in your way. There might be some cave moments. I'm going to share with you today how to endure the cave moments of your life, all right? So three things really quick. The first one, embrace the cave, find something to cheer about. Find something just to be happy about. Here's what he says. You are my refuge, my portion in the land of living. He's in a cave with guys that are just messed up. And, and he's like, I'm going to find something to, to write home about. I'm going to find something to be joyful about. I'm going to find something to be glad about. In fact, Romans 4 and 17 says that even God, who quickens the dead, calls those things that aren't as though they were. So even God starts to speak life into a situation. In fact, he knows the end from the beginning, so he calls us complete even before we're complete because he knows what we're going to look like at the end. Isn't that cool? Think about that for a second. He sees me as 6'5", 245 with hair down to here. So I'm calling those things in orange as they are. 
I'm tired of being the shortest in my family. Eight kids and I'm the shortest, and two of them are girls. That's just wrong. I'm not having it anymore. When I get to heaven, six, five, boom, hair down to here. You're going you're gonna to say, Andrew did it a couple times, and he's singing, throwing that hair back. And then he looks over at me like, ha, yeah, I can do it. You can't. That's right. It takes me a lot less time to shower than it does you. Huh. Hair, who needs it? I want it. I don't need it, but I want it bad. He calls those things. See, and so we look, we're, we're in the cave, and here's what happens in the cave. If you're not careful, listen to me. I know I'm preaching to somebody today. If you're in the cave, we start to point fingers. That person got me in this cave. We start to get mad at God. God, why would you bring me to this cave? We start to fight in the cave, and all of a sudden, we start to get confused, and we run the wrong way in the cave, and we actually get deeper in the cave rather than start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And, and David here is saying, you are my refuge and my portion. And he calls the cave what he sees it, the land of the living. In other words, this ain't a cave. If we start to embrace our situation, if we start to embrace the cave, if we start to embrace where we're at, all of a sudden we start to see God in that thing. When we think God is only this puffy God sitting on a cloud that gives us everything we want, we have a wrong image of who God is. We need to see God, the, 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 the God the God is that sees us through even tough times in our our life. Because if you're going to find your destiny, I promise you, you're going to go through a cave at some point in time. You might be in a cave right now. You might be coming out of a cave, or you might be getting ready to go in a cave, but there's going to be a cave in your life. And that cave's going to catapult you to a destiny that God has for you, but he has to, he has to allow you to go through that cave. So David makes the best of his cave, and he starts to write these, this psalm down. You're the land of the living, these righteous people you put around me. God, I love you so much. Then I want you, to, I want you Lord, to clarify this for me. I want, I want you to set me forth so I can have my portion that's due me. I read an article, interesting article this week about boiling water. And so I want to use it today as an analogy. If you boil a pot of water and you put carrots in it, it softens the carrots. And, and do, doesn't life soften us sometimes? I mean, don't you sometimes, be honest, don't you just feel drained sometimes? Like, man, if i got to face that another day, if i got to pay that bill one more time, if i got to face that person one more time, if i gotta, if I got to do this job one more day, and sometimes it, it just drains us like that, that softened carrot. And sometimes if you put that same boiling water, if you put eggs in the boiling water, what happens? They harden, right? They become hard-boiled eggs. And so uh, Jane and I have a hard-boiled egg every morning. And so the water, boiling water, hard-boiled egg, but, but life often hardens us too. And all of a sudden, our heart starts to get hard. And, and have you ever said or thought, they're not going to do that to me ever again? I'll never let that happen ever again. I'll make sure that, I, that they get theirs. That's a hard-boiled heart. Our hearts start to get hard. So the water over here softens the carrot and, and, and life drains us. But the water over here hardens the egg and it causes it to be a little hard on the outside. So eggs and carrots are both challenged by the boiling water. But if you put a coffee bean in the boiling water, mm, come on, somebody, coffee, that coffee bean changes the water. It changes the color of the water. It changes the flavor of the water. It changes the taste of the water. And too many of us are carrots and hard-boiled eggs where we need to be coffee beans. Hear me on that. 
We get mad at our condition and our situation when God puts us in that to change the condition and the situation. So we need to change where we're at. We, you might be going through the cave to change the people in the cave. You might be going through the cave so that you can understand what people look like in the cave. You might be going through the cave because God allows you to go there because he wants to change what's inside of you. We get soft and we get weak and we get angry and we get hard and we get mad. When God says, no, I put you in there so you could change the situation in there. You could change the condition in there. You could change the environment in there. You, could you might be the only believer in your school, the only believer in your, in your workplace. You might be the only believer in your neighborhood. God put you there because he needs you there. Because he wants you there. If it was easy, he could use anybody, but he's got you. So we understand that situation. So most of you know I'm a Nebraska Cornhusker football fan, and I'm, I still bleed red, and I, I wear the shirt. And they got killed last night by Ohio State, so congratulations to all of our Ohio fans out there. God bless you, and we know there's a lot in this area because they all think Hilton Head's the state capital of, of Ohio because they all go there for vacation. It's true. You ever been to Hilton Head? Uh, you see more Ohio license plates than you do South Carolina. That's true, ain't it, Marvin? It's absolutely true. Jenny, I went down there one time, first time in Hilton Head. We're like, Marvin, do they know this is South Carolina? Why do they think it's Ohio? He said, it's the state capital. They just don't know it. Anyways, God bless you, Ohio people, for killing Nebraska. But Scott Frost said something. The, the, quarter, the former quarterback and head coach, in Nebraska, he said this. He said, you have to know who you are, and you can't run from where you're at. See, whether you're in a, some people in a cave, they want to run from where they're at, and it just gets them more and more trouble. They need to be the coffee bean. You have to start changing the environment. You have to change culture. Coaches talk a lot about culture. Teachers talk a lot about culture. Pastors talk a lot about cultures. City government talks a lot about culture. If we're, if we're to change the culture in our town, we have to change the culture in us first. If we're always looking, if we're always, well, sometimes it's just Psalm 4610, I got to sit still and know that he is God, right? And then you have to understand that when David's writing this psalm, that he's not willing to go anywhere. He's He's ready to know this is the land of the living. God, if you got me here, this is where I'm going to be at. But the, so you, I'm going to embrace that cave that I might be in. If I can embrace the cave, then who, the, the, the God that's for me is greater than the God, those people that are against me. Amen? Number two, embrace the cave. Know who your friends are. He says this, the righteous will surround me, for you will heal, deal bountifully with me. He's saying, listen, we read it. These righteous men that you've got around me, man, I'm glad you put them on my side. But in Samuel, it says they were in debt. They were distressed. They were discontented. These guys were mad. They were mean. They were out of shape. They, but all of a sudden, they become his friends. They build him up. He, he becomes their leader. Why? Because David walks in the cave with the right attitude. He doesn't say, man, I'm too good for you guys. He doesn't say, you're not allowed to come in here. He doesn't say, he comes in and all of a sudden he starts to make friends with them. What's he do? He accepts them just the way they are. Amen. 
He takes them the way they are. And all of a sudden, they become his mighty men. They become his powerful tribe. They become the guys who are going to help him capture Jerusalem where he gets the second anointing. And he, he becomes the guy, that their, their, their leader. And he's a leader because he's got the right attitude, walking through a dark area of his life because he's in a cave. But he starts to embrace that cave and say, hey, God, if this is what you got for me, these 400 mighty men, there's some bad dudes. Ishbael, Eleazar, and Dodo. Now, if anybody here names your kid Dodo, I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> Dodo. <laughs> but look at what the name Ishbael means. You make me wise. Look what the name Eleazar means. God, you're my helper. Look at the word Dodo means. I'm his beloved. These are the three mighty warriors that David raises up that came out of the cave. One guy killed 800 by himself. Another guy killed 300 with a sword. And after he was done, they had to peel his hand off because his hand was cleven to the, the sword. These are his bad dudes. They go up 67 feet up a well to get a drink of water for David that he ends up pouring out because he says, I can't drink it because you risked your life for me. These are the people that came out of the cave with David. If God has you in a cave, maybe he wants to surround you by people that know you. It's too many times where we become pompous and pious and say, you shouldn't do that. Maybe we should go to somebody's level and see what made them that way to start with. Maybe we should join the cave with them. Maybe we should stop saying, if you would change this, you'd be all right, and start saying, hey, I'm going to walk you through this thing because I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Amen. See, the world sees the church as hypocrites because if we're not the way we're supposed to be, then all of a sudden we're not accepted in the church. Church, we need to allow people into our cave. We need to allow people, we need to be, let people know, hey, we're not all right, <laughs> but Jesus is. We need to allow people to know we got some flaws and some uh, failures in our life, but Jesus' blood covers them. We need to allow that, with the, that fact that, see, sometimes we put that mask on before we come to church and I'm not in a cave. Yes, you are. You might be. It's okay. Let us help you walk out of that cave. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so these guys that surround David, Ishbael, a warrior, Eleazar, a warrior, Dodo, a warrior. I mean, and then you got Benaiah. And Benaiah, you know the story, it says in Chronicles that, that he, went, he chased a lion in a pit on a snowy day and killed that lion. He killed two lion-like Moabites. He took the sword from an Egyptian giant and killed that giant. This was a bad dude. And David's like 17, 18 years old, and he's leading these guys. God wants you to be a leader right where you're at. We continue to say sometimes in, in the church world, well, when I get this, or when we get that size, or when this happens, or when I get that job, or when I get that. No, just, just understand, you need to embrace your situation right where you're at. And if you can embrace the cave like David embraced the cave, good things are going to happen. He starts talking about these righteous people that are around me and they surround me and all these things. Proverbs 18.24 says, many companions will come, but there's a friend that sticks closer than the brother. And you know that's Christ. You know he loves you so much. Listen to me, church, if you will. If you're in a cave, embrace that situation. If you're in a dark place, just embrace it. Like if you put yourself there. 
then understand that maybe there's some consequences to your actions, but because the actions are, 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 are can be forgiven, you can ask God to, to, inter, to intervene, and he'll get you out of that cave. The last lot niece embrace the cave is never, ever, never, ever concede defeat. He says, Bless, please let my father and mother come and stay with you until I know what God will do for me. In other words, there's, there's this moment of faith. There's this faith action that, that rises up. And it's such a cool moment of faith until I know what God's going to do. In other words, I'm going to go in this cave, but God will do something for me. I know it's going to, it's going to be dark. I know it's going to be bleak. I know it's going to be wet and damp, and there, there's going to be bats. I mean, have you ever seen caves on, like, Discovery Channel? Janie can't watch them just because of the bats on TV. Like, oh, no, turn the channel. I mean, caves are dreary, damp places that they have bats and, you know, feces and they're disgusting. And, and, and God may have it a place where you just think, this is just horrible. Why am I here? Start to look around and start to speak life. Start to understand what God is doing. Maybe God is changing you so that you can make a change to the situation in your life. But he speaks life and says, God's going to do something. Can my mom and dad stay right here until I see what God's up to? Because God's up to something. He starts to speak life. And you have to speak life to your situation. And when you start to boldly speak life, Our daughter Jessica played high school basketball, softball, volleyball, track and field. I don't know. She might have been on the debate team. Who knows? She did it all. And she was a freshman, third baseman on the varsity softball team. And she was just, I mean, her, her birthday's like in the summer, so she's actually younger for her, for her class. And she's just a little kid out there playing a varsity sport. Uh, varsity basketball, throwing the shot put. And so she, there was a, a, a softball player in Omaha named Peaches James. And she has every state high school record and every, state, and every college record at the University of Nebraska. She's thrown more no-hitters in Nebraska history than anybody but at both high school and college. And so she played for Papillion. Jessica played for Ralston. And Peaches James was just phenomenal. Like she would, she'd throw three pitches and the batter would sit down. She'd throw three more pitchers, and the batter would sit down. She'd throw three more pitchers, and the batter would sit down. And I'm not exaggerating. It was only fun if you were for the other team. The other teams, it was like she would, she would throw no hitters two or three times out of four. It was, it was, so Jessica was playing, and she was up to bat, and she had struck out earlier in the game. And, and, and so she got up, and the first two pitches, boom, boom, strike, strike. And she looked over at Mama, and Mama's like, you can do all things through Christ. And it just, like, it clicked. Like, it was like a I can moment. It's like, yeah, I can, I can do that. And, and, and she, she stood in the batter's box, and it, it was just like, man, it's like confidence. Peaches James threw the ball. And Jessica hit it, she, and, and the ugliest little base hit over third base, just like a little dinker, boom, that the third baseman couldn't get to. And Jessica ran to first. She got on first, and she jumps up and down, and the fans jump up and down. And you thought we won the World Series that day. It was amazing. It was like, woo, we're yelling and screaming, yeah, Jessica. I'd like to tell you, you know, it, it turned the team around and we won the game. No, she finished pitching a one-hitter that day. The only hit was by a 14-year-old freshman. 
And they got beat. They got beat. But it was, it, it was contagious. It was contagious. And it was, it was fun seeing, boom, this light bulb go on. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And other people, famous preachers will say, that's not really what that means. You couldn't convince a mama and a 14-year-old girl that that's not what that meant. You couldn't convince the girl who got a hit off the greatest softball player in Nebraska history that that's not what that meant. And you couldn't convince a mama and a papa who thought their kid just won the College World Series when she got on first base. And the first people she turned and looked at was that mama and papa. And, yeah, that's my daughter. You guys get your daughter to get a hit. We got ours to get a hit. I didn't, I did, I did, I didn't, I didn't say that. I, I did, I wanted to, but I, I didn't say. I didn't say that. So what are you waiting for? What's God going to do in your life? Because he he says it right here. Can mom and dad stay here until I know, until I know, until I know what God will do for me? See, when we go into a cave, hear me. When we go into a cave, we don't always know there's another end, but God does. We don't always know there's a way out, but God does, and God knows the way out. In fact, I believe that our cave is somewhat uh, similar to Jesus' grave, that maybe it's a place of just dying out to self so that Christ in us can be greater than the things in the world, so that he can rise us, so that if we die to self, then we live in Christ. And I wrote this down this week. Moses embraced the desert. He became a leader. Gideon embraced the wine press. He became a judge. David embraced the cave. He became a king. And Jesus embraced the grave, and he became our Savior, the Savior of all mankind. When you embrace the thing that God has you going through, when you'll embrace it, church, all of a sudden it becomes like it becomes a resurrection to us. It's like, yes, now I know. Lord, I know. As the worship team comes back, I want to give you just a close out of Romans because I think Paul was in several caves. Uh, his was a prison, and he, he wrote the epistles, and he, he shares with us, and he says this out of Romans 8, starting at verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave, us, gave him up for us all. How will we not know with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justify. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for our sake, we will be killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Listen, you might be in a cave, but it might be God's doing. Why? To make you a better person so that you understand your destiny, so that when something breaks you down, God builds you back up. When something tears you apart, God puts you back together. When someone ruins your life, it's God who says, wait, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 
And then Paul goes on to say, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Stand with me and give the Lord a large shout of praise this morning because he's worthy, because he takes us out of the cave, because he shares with us, because he loves us. Listen, if you're in a cave today, and I shared in the first service, there's been days I've been in a cave. There's been weeks I've been in a cave. I've been in a cave before for a couple of years and wondering, God, where am I gonna get out? I would never wanna go back to those caves. But I so, so, so glad that the Lord saw me through because I can use it as a testimony where I can share with somebody else empathetically. I can be with someone in their time of need and say, you know what, I, know, I, I do know what you feel like. I do know what it's like to have people abandon you, not care for you. I do know what it's like to have, to have just have strongholds in your life that you don't feel like you can get out. I do know what it's like. And so listen, if you're in a cave today, I say embrace it. I say embrace it. It's okay, God. Right here, right now, this is where I'm at. The Bible says a, a man fall, a righteous man falls seven times but gives up everyone. And do you know that the number eight is new beginning, the sign for new beginning? In other words, seven keys on a on a piano. There's seven days of a week. There's seven colors on the rainbow. And in fact, every eighth chapter in the Bible starts something new. Every book that has eight chapters, that eight chapter is something new. So why not, why not make this a new day? Why not say, okay, if I'm in a cave, I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to walk through it. Like, Lord, I don't know why I'm here. Joseph embraced the pit, and, and God saw him out. Joseph embraced the prison, and God saw him out. Joseph embraced his family that turned on him, and he said, don't you know God had something bigger in store? I want to say that to you. Don't you know God had something bigger in store? I'm asking you to raise your hands if you're comfortable doing so while I pray for you just for a moment that we're going to sing uh, raise a hallelujah one more time. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus if anybody here, any of our friends here are walking in a cave or coming out of a cave or going in a cave, God, I pray right now that they would embrace it. Let them embrace that area of their life right now. Father, Lord, knowing that you're working on their behalf. And like David, place righteous people around them that's going to be warriors. Place friends around them. Let, let them call it the land of the living. Yeah, I'm here right now. I'm not staying long, but this is the land of the living. This is where God has me right now. I pray by the Lord, the steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord. And I pray you bless each and every person, anoint each and every person, work with each and every person, Lord, and let them embrace that cave, Father Lord, for however long. But let us die to ourselves so that we can live in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship one time. Praise In the presence of my enemies, I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a
like to give you maybe a challenge or a takeaway. I loved all of it. I thought the whole message was incredible. But I loved number two, where he talked about you, a friend. So this week, maybe God has allowed you to go through something, a cave there's so that you've been in so you can encourage somebody else so if you have a friend because a friend is just going to be there no matter whether your things are good or your things are bad take out your phone this week and maybe just send them a little text that says I'm so glad you're my friend I am so thankful that God has put you in my life as my friend and I just wanted you to know that quick and simple so glad you're my friend because that's what we're to do is just encourage one another and love one another. And that's what God wants all of us to do. And maybe your little text message or your phone call if you don't do text. Maybe that's just the thing that's going to help them to know, you know what, I can make it out of this cave that I'm in, this place I'm in. And it can't always be about us receiving, like Pastor said. It also has to be about us giving. So sometimes you got to give yourself away. And I know so many have done that over and over. But it's when we're giving that we receive. Because the Bible says we reap what we sow. So maybe sow a seed of, hey, I'm just glad you're my friend. I'm so glad that God put you in my life. Amen. What an incredible word. Embrace the destiny that God has for you. And that's what we want to learn to walk in and say, God, whatever the destiny is that you have for my life, Whatever that looks like, I want to embrace that. And if it's in a cave today, tomorrow I might be in the palace. Amen? Father, I just love you so much. And I thank you so much for these incredible people that we get to do life with, we get to do church with. We are so blessed. I just pray, Lord, that you would help them to embrace the destiny that you have over their life. Whatever it looks like, whatever it is, the things they've went through in their life, that those things can just be things that are going to help them help somebody else or help them in another place. They'll, they'll learn, Lord, from the things they've went through. They will help others. So let that be, Lord, the cry on our hearts to embrace the destiny that you have for us. Not that we have, not the dream and vision we have, but the destiny that you have for each and every one of us in our lives. We love you so much, and I thank you for each and every one. I pray blessings over their life, over their business over their jobs, over their um, homes, their children, their marriages, their families, their finance, their health, whatever you have, Lord, we just call forth your destiny over them in Jesus' name. Amen. We love y'all so much. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock if you can make it. Otherwise, be blessed, and we'll see you next week. Love you. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.